Good morning and welcome to Good News Everyone, the weekly news podcast where all the news is good news. I'm Tessa. I'm Marina and I just woke up. Same here. We've got a rare Tuesday morning recording for y'all. We've got coffees in hand. I'm going to try and edit out the slurps, but I'm not perfect. No, leave the slurp in. It's a nice little, you know. It's terrible in your ear holes. I mean, well, they're welcome. They'll enjoy it. Oh, my God. My goodness. Tallulah just ran right up the cat tree and almost knocked it over. She's a little wild this morning, so you might hear the jingle jangle of her tags. Yep. Or she might just fall asleep now that I've said that. It's true. So, sorry about not recording last week. You know, life gets in the way. I've had a really rough, like, last two weeks, so. Yeah, tell me about it, babe. Just, like, everything happens all at once. Everything happens so much. Like, yeah. Pretty much. Why they gotta happen like that? I've had a lot of due dates. I've had a lot of, like, work influx pressure. Um... Because we're going to PodCon tonight, we're leaving. We're leaving for, first we're going to Portland, and then we're going to be in Seattle this weekend for PodCon. Yeah. So, because we're doing that, um, like, there's just so much to prepare for. And just make sure that the house is in order, because we're leaving for a week, and nobody's going to be here. So, someone's got to come over to water the plants, and we got to make sure that the fridge is cleared out of old food, and... Yeah. And then pack, and yeah, it's stressful. Being an adult so hard. It's real stressful. Remember being a kid when, like, you would go on trips and all you had to do was roll out of bed and get in the car? You pack your suitcase and you pack your backpack, and I always packed way too many books. Same. This year, this uh, trip, I'm actually really proud of myself because I only have four books in my Kobo. <laughs> so, that's pretty good. <laughs> good job, Tessa. <gasps> I haven't decided what books I'm bringing yet. I haven't packed that far ahead. I'm bringing along a bread book that my boyfriend gave me for my birthday. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. the baker is in Portland. The baker who wrote you it. You get his signature, Tessa. <gasps> I didn't even think of that. I just want to oh. go see his shop. <laughs> but a signature? That'd be so dope. Maybe he would just, like, put his hand in flour and then just gently touch your book. And then I can never wipe it away. Yep. I just have to hairspray it in place. Exactly. Yeah. DIY. Perfect. Nice. So, how about you, Tessa? How has things been going? Like you said, just kind of busy. I have the added benefit of not being in school or working. I'm so jealous because so many of my (laughs) friends aren't in school anymore. It's, yeah, it's going to be real nice. I'm so glad this is your last year. For the the foreseeable future. I mean, like, I might get a master's degree, and I know you might get a master's degree. Um, But for now, you got this one semester left. Yeah, I don't even want to think about a master's degree. Academia's hell. It's blech. Yeah. Blech. I like learning all the other rigorous stuff that goes into it. I'm so glad I'm not a part of it. There's way too many, like, classist and, like, elitist undertones in Mm -hmm. academia. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to navigate that. It's, yeah. And, like, if you don't have a good support system, even while you're there, like, literally physically in... Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. It's like, um, that was Brayden, too. (laughs) He's just in this other room. Um... Yeah. yeah, if you don't have a good support system, then it's so easy to just burn yourself out and become one of those bitter sinners. Mm-hmm. Because the entire, like, the space of the university becomes, like, 
mm-hmm. almost like a toxic environment because you're just constantly in a really shitty mood. I believe it. Me all the time. <laughs> I don't know. Last couple of weeks have been okay. Stressful for me in different ways, like planning for the trip, but also just having no money. So if yeah. anybody needs some me to edit their YouTube videos or like podcasts, hit me up. Tessa has a wide a range of many knowledges. Please, I need, <laughs> I need a job so bad. <laughs> What I'm kind of hoping is that we go to PodCon and then I um, get like some podcasting gig and then I can keep doing this and not have to work at McDonald's. Speaking of, I applied there and they haven't called me back and it's been like a week and I'm, I was like, McDonald's, you want my safety? Come on, McDonald's. Come on. Oh, should we get into All it? Right, let's get into the news. So we're going to start off with the adoptable animals of the week. Okay. Um, There's more than one. There's a couple. And I was uh, introduced to the RSBCA, which is the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. When you say royal, it makes me think it's in the UK. It is in the UK. Ooh, we're doing international animals. We're going to branch out, do international animals. Love it. So I started with this Dodo article. 18-year-old cat best friends need a new home together. Their owner just passed away, but they're helping each other get through it. Oh my god. So the 17 and 18 year old cats, Benny, Benny and, and Mo. Mo. And they're adorable. Holy shit. One of them looks like Tolula. One of them is all black. With these big golden eyes. And so I was like, this is adorable. Marina would be in love with them. So, oh, speaking of, Tolula's come here to see these kitties. Hi, baby. Yeah. Yeah, sit on this lap. So I went to the website um, to see if I could find these cats, and they were gone. I couldn't really? find them. I mean, I, I was also having a hard time navigating the website. You know, mm. going from Canadian websites to, like, UK websites is so difficult. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so I couldn't find them. So I'm hoping because of the Dodo article, they got adopted. Yeah, I'm sure they did. They've been in the shelter since August, I guess, which mm. is, that's a long time. Look at they're so sweet. They're very sweet. And they don't look like they're that old. Anyway, so because I couldn't find these cats at the shelter, I looked at some other animals. What animals did you find? I found this one. Oh my god. Boswell. He looks like a Boswell. Boswell is an American bulldog. He's five years old, approximately, and has just got, yeah, that big old bulldog face. He looks so sad, no? There's these pictures of him looking sad. It was not good. But then there's a picture of him smiling, which is good. He's got, like, little pink mouth, little pink around his eyes. Cause, he's you know, got he's them bulldog. jowls. Got them jowly boys. This fine-looking boy is called Boswell. That's a very British name to give to an American bulldog. I know. He, um, so he does need a bit more training. He knows sit and down, but would benefit from some further training. He's not a greedy dog, but he loves his treats. Aww, and he's a really big softie. And, uh, he will need guidance and training around other dogs, which is typical for American bulldogs. Yeah. Or the bully breeds. Um, and this is important to get him acclimatized to other dogs, as Boswell is a big, strong lad. Oh, he's very special and he's very beautiful. That's so sweet. <gasps> he had to have an operation on knee ligaments, just like me. Oh, Dude's no. He's got messed up knees. 
That's so unfortunate. So the thing with the RSPCA is they've got branches all over the country. So this dog, um, like, it's not just in one central location. Okay. Um, so this branch, it said that they will pay, they've paid for the operation or will pay for the operation. Oh, good. Um, so that's good. Mm-hmm. This good boy. This good fluffy boy. I want to give him a smooch on his big nose. He is in the Northumberland West Branch. There we go. I don't know where that is in the country, but... In Northumberland, I'm imagining. Northumberland West, maybe? Yeah. Cool. Next animal. Ah! Look at these two friends. Oh my god. It's a ginger cat and a tabby cat, and their names are Rufus and Margot. Oh my god. And they're five years old. That's so sweet. Rufus is the uh, older gentleman who is super orange. He's orange, but he has like, it kind of looks like he just stuck his nose into flour by accident. Like yeah. he's got a white muzzle. He just licks the cream and it's not symmetrical. It's just like he blip, yep. got flour on him. Yeah, so uh, Rufus has been with the shelter for a couple of weeks and I guess he's a big sweetie. Relaxed cat, loves the peaceful life, and since he's been here, he's bonded with Margot, and they would hate to um separate them. Aww. He can be a bit of a grump sometimes, but Margot seems to bring out the best in him, and he's been so much happier since she's been around. Oh my god. <gasps> she sees a bird. Did we just get that chitter on the, on the recording? I mean, I was talking, but I hope you can hear mm. it. She sees a bird. Anyway... I think that's really cute. Like, that's so nice. Like, it's, yeah. Look at them. I'm they became prison they became besties. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not prison. I know, but like, but like, kind of, yeah. They're just like ride or die now. Yeah, Margo and Robbie. So good. And Margo, sorry, Rufus, Rufus and Margo, Margo and Rufus. That sounds like a a movie title. About, like, two besties who meet in, like, a detention care center or something. And we gotta bust out and get free. Oh, my God. Here we go, Pixar, hit me up. All right. I was only gonna have these two, well, rather, three adoptable animals on this week. Oh, um, Rufus and Margot are at Belham and Tooting Branch. should mention that. Um, I was only gonna have these guys... And then I saw our third aminal. Oh, no. And I was like, I need to show this to Marina. A third aminal. Oh, my God. They're two bonnies called Fudge and Smudge. Fudge and Smudge? They are white with <laughs> speckles. One has brown speckles and one has black speckles. And they are at the West Suffolk branch. They're about three years old. And I love them because they look like twins. But, like, you know how one of the twins would have blonde hair and one would have black yeah. hair? That's them. They look really cute. They're cute little buns. I love buns. Me too. Look how fat they are. But I feel fat bad because like buns are so scared all the time and I just want to be so like, scared. don't be scared. It's okay. And like my go-to to comforting something that's scared is like pick it up and snuggle it. And that's not what you do to a bunny. No. They... Just have a heart attack. Yeah. Oh man. Fudge and Smudge were born in our care. They are very independent sisters. Who like to observe their humans from a distance. They also like to dig. I love it because this one paragraph, the ideal home for these two lovely ladies would be somewhere quite rural where the ladies are safe. And I'm like, that's great. We got to keep our ladies safe. Yeah. Protect ladies. Protect the ladies. Oh, they've been in their care for three years. So they were born in care. 
And they have remained in care for three years. Which is so long That's to be in too care. long for an animal. So the mom came to us and then gave birth, and we think that their father was a little on the wild side, hence why Fudge and Smudge are very independent. Hmm. Please oh, adopt me with my friend. I love them. They're so cute. They're so cute. I just wish so cute that, like, I could take care of all of the animals. I know. And have them all be safe and happy. Like, Tallulah could have a floor in a house all by herself. And then another yeah. floor for Fudge and Smudge. And then another floor for all of the dogs I've wanted to adopt. That was my dream when I was a kid. I would have, like, a five-story house. It was kind of like a hotel. Mm-hmm. And the bottom floor was dogs. So they could run around outside. I love it. Then we go cats, fish, lizards, birds. Yeah, it was... Oh, I love animals. All right. You want to jump on into the news? Let's go right on into it. Let's see what news are happening. Oh, Ooh. music. So, um, these investors are putting 1.8 million pounds, which is 2.4 million dollars, towards shelter from the homeless. Nice. It says this bond could shelter 200 homeless people. So, so they're micro apartments. Yeah. It's a uh, small living spaces. It's the Bridges Fund Management, um, and they've backed a program that'll finance living spaces for 200 homeless people in Manchester. Uh, It comes from the firm Social Impact Bond Fund, which is like a 25 uh, million euro pool of money that's raised. Oh yeah, pound. Sorry, the pound. I forget that the UK hasn't made that switch. And oh, now they never will because Brexit happened. Oh man. Oh no. Oh no. Computer, it's anarchy. Oh, sorry, baby girl, you cannot go hang out by the Christmas tree, BB. Um, oh, but sorry, that's the news we did. We decorated the apartment this weekend. Oh yeah, it looks super nice. Our Christmas decorations are up and everywhere. It was super fun to do. And then the day after, I went over to my boyfriend's house and helped them decorate their house. So good. It was just a good weekend of decorating. Love it. Mm. I love anyway, decorating. get these homeless people off the streets. The goal is to help them get off the street um, so while also generating a return. It's a social bond. So what that means is it's a pool of money that's raised from investors, um, including, like, foundations and wealthy individuals. So it's basically, like, a giant, like, make the wealthy people feel good. But the the catch is, is that investors put money towards a program that's designed to help society or the environment, um, but they only make a profit if that program works. So in this case, success means that the homeless people have to stay off the streets for two years. So it's like, it's a little bit of like, okay, rich people trying to get richer, but also, dang, do you mind? Mula is itchy baby. Also, they're trying to get these people off the street, and I think, you know, I, that's, that's 200 a, people. That's great. And they got to yeah. stay off the street for two years. It's not just like, okay, we had them off the street for a weekend. Yeah. Let's turn this uh, homeless shelter into a high rise. Yeah, by giving, like, I think two years is a, a good framework to really help people get on their feet. And it says roughly 200 people were sleeping on the streets near Manchester on every, any given night in late 2016, according to official statistics. So this program could theoretically get all the homeless people sleeping on the street into a home. That would be really nice. Which would be great because people deserve homes. Yeah. Um, uh, Manchester Mayor Andy Burnham has pledged 15% of his own salary to tackle homelessness. Okay, that's that's really nice. Which is good. 
Which is good. Yeah, that sounds like a mayor who actually cares about his city. And he said, in addition to accommodation, the program will provide participants with intensive health and emotional support, and they will also receive practical training and employment service. Oh yeah, this is great. This is a great thing. What the heck? This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what, you know, that's what you need is not just a place to lay your head, but also to know that you are part of the community and that you can be taken care of. We gotta take care of each other. Yeah. That's what community is about. Emotional I, support. I'm still a little hesitant. To be fair, I don't know a lot about social bonds. Yeah. But I'm a little bit hesitant at just, like, the idea that wealthy people can help contribute to society and if it works, they get more money. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Where is that money going to come from? Is the government going to pay them back? Yeah, like, I'm not too sure. Like, I feel like once you're wealthy, you should like, just be able to give the money away and be fine with it. Also, this just feels like more like, this is like late capitalism in a nutshell. Yeah, no, they're capitalizing, um, helping other people for sure, which is a little bit of a... Yeah. A little bit of grime on it's there. So, but it's also really good. It also does a really good thing because this is important. Because a lot of the times when people talk about changing the world, they often still talk about it in like, I don't know, like revolution, throw over, like we have to get rid of the system before we di can dismantle it or like yeah, or, do anything. Or they talk about like helping some far off country. Yeah. Like they'll mention Africa, so, but not an actual country, just a continent. Just all of Africa. All of Africa. I remember once, this is a little off topic now at this point, but I saw a, I, one of my social studies teachers took me to a conference that was like a proto-feminist conference for like teen girls. And one of the things that we watched was, um, Heaters for Norway, which was like a spoof on like let's save Africa or oh. like help for Africa. And it was all these heaters in Norway. It was all of the Af like it was a bunch of African people who were like getting together being like, Norway's really cold. People are slipping on the ice. We got to get uh -huh. heaters for Norway. And they had a I song and everything. I love it. And I think that was what really woke small Marina up. That was like, Oh shit. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, I think the most lasting change, like kind of building off that most lasting change really is stuff that hits at the grassroots. Like either you go to the people and you talk about what they need. It was like, hey, Norway, do you need heaters? <laughs> or like they saw a need 200, roughly 200 people were sleeping on the streets. Okay, we're going to make sure that our shelter can house 200 people. Yeah. Get all of them, all yeah. them up. And I think like. Again, my main point of contention comes with the where the source of this money is coming yeah, from. Yeah, how are these rich people getting paid back? And, like, that's fine. I still think this is a great idea. I still think that, like, where we... With where we are in this world, this is working. And this can help. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I will admit this was the news that I would got for... Um, from, so we were doing news from two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. This is the news from the first week. And a lot of the good news that I found was people being good to homeless people. So the first really? little bits are all about that. All Second right. point of news. A charity is launching a vending machine for the homeless. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is super cool. Um, it's a UK-based charity, Action Hunger. And they're providing basic needs for homeless people via vending machines. It was invented by a guy named Josefa Khaled, 
who was struck by the rising number of homeless people he saw, and he thought there had to be a way to get them food and clothing even when shelters and charities are closed. So there's vending machines that provide water, fresh fruit, sandwiches, socks, toiletries, and books. It's accessible all hours of the day, free of charge. Um, the first machine will be installed early December in the city of Nottingham, which is Khaled's hometown. And Action Hunger will provide another organization, the Friary, with traceable key cards. Anyone who's homeless can get a card and pick up to three items a day from the dispenser. That's awesome! And they are prioritizing rough sleepers. Not any, not everyone who visits uh, the Friary is a rough sleeper. Some are homeless in other ways, such as those in temporary accommodation. Oh, okay, so, so when they prioritize the ones on the street, yeah, the ones who are uh, struggling a lot more in some capacity. Because it's yeah, the scary thing about homelessness is there's a lot of different varieties of it. I yeah, where we're like poverty in uh, well, poverty in like Canada and the U.S. is oftentimes. It's not just a person sleeping under a bridge at night. It's also somebody sitting at their table with their bills spread out in front of them, sobbing. Yeah. Like, I grew up in poverty. I grew up in pretty crappy poverty. But, like, I didn't know it was poverty. Yeah. Because, A, my parents did a really good job of making sure that we always had our base necessities and, like, they hid a lot of stuff from us, which was good for small children, I guess. Mm -hmm. mm, family things. Family stuff. Ooh. But, like, yeah, poverty comes in a lot of different shapes and forms, especially oh, yeah. in, like, countries like Canada and the U.S. where, like, we often have, like, the front guys and, like, the way that we interact with people and, like, you hide poverty a lot. Oh, yeah, it's just behind the facade. You're doing yeah. okay. You're fine. You're not facade one of those. Facade is the word I was looking for. You're not one yeah. of those homeless people who's a leech. Yeah. Homeless people are not a leech. They need help. And I think this vending machine is the way to go. I like that. I like um, that they have, like, toiletries is super important. Like, there better be some tampons fruit. in there. Books. People gotta be able to entertain themselves and be good. Yeah. They need it. Um, so next year, Action Hunger plans to expand across Europe and the U.S. Um, it's starting to eye London, New York City, San Francisco, and Los Angeles as possible locations. Um, and Khaled said that his ultimate hope for Action Hunger is for his idea to take root in all cities all over the world. Um, and for the homeless to have a lifeline to rely on while government policies work towards ending homelessness once and for all. And oh, I think great. that line highlights why I was uncomfortable with the social bonds because yeah. government policies should be working towards ending, like, you know? Ending it forever. Not yeah. just, like, the, like, the previous article is great, but in part it also feels a little like a bad, like a band-aid solution. Like, yeah, exactly. It won't it's work. It definitely solution. won't work for all, um, like, cities. And, you know, trying to figure out how we can end homelessness. And, like, yeah, people just... We gotta get a bunch of ideas in the mix and work it all together. And I think this vending machine is, like, a great idea. Because it's also one thing about... Uh, I mean, I've never been homeless. Thank goodness. And I've never actually lived in, like, too much poverty. I've been poor, for sure. And I grew up, like, lower end of middle class, I'll say. Maybe, yeah. Because we always have running water and mm -hmm. electricity and stuff. But um, 
I do know I've read a couple articles and just books and from people who have been homeless for a bit. And the one thing they talk about is just the shame you feel all the time. Because you, you know, society says yeah. you're supposed to be a productive member and you're supposed to be good and working. And when you can't and when you don't, it's really shameful. No, and so man. kind of not disguising it, but it, it's a vending machine. Anybody goes to a vending machine. It just looks yeah. normal, you know? It's just a part of your everyday. Do you I need to use really the vending machine? You use the vending machine. It helps people have a little dignity because I know that's important. Yeah. It's real important. Great. Great. Awesome. All right. Third piece of news. Hit me with it. Homeless Samaritan to get house, dream truck. Oh, house and dream truck with $385,000 in donations. His name is Johnny Bobbitt. Johnny Bobbitt Jr. Oh, yes. And then Kate McClure is the one who set up this uh, fund. So a New Jersey woman has raised more than $385,000 for a Philadelphia homeless man who came to her roadside aid. So Kate McClure ran out of gas on an Interstate 95 exit ramp late one night in Philadelphia. Bobbitt walked a few blocks to buy her gas with his last 20. Holy shit! What a good guy! Yep. She didn't have any money to repay him and so decided to set up a GoFundMe page to be like, dude, this was amazing. Two trust funds and a bank account are being set up for him and his dream truck is a 1999 Ford Ranger. That's the cutest thing. So, yeah. Oh my god. That must Because that's so scary. An exit ramp? You just run out of gas and you're stuck there? Yeah. On a that's... big road like the I-95? No thank you, ma'am. And this homeless guy gives his last 20 bucks to get you gas. Yeah, not only, like, it would have been, like, one thing for someone to be like, oh, here's 20 bucks, good luck. He was like, I'll go get you gas. He'll do it. Like, do that it. was so sweet. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just real happy for him that awesome. it just proves that people are good. My gosh. I love everyone online who donated all this money to him. Yeah. And um, Kate McClure to help set it up and get him set up with like a bank account. Like that's money good for the rest of his life, depending on what he spends it on. But yeah. like um, sometimes you can be, sometimes make you can pretty go. rash decisions when you get a lot of money. Yep. See me every time I get my student loan money in. <laughs> Um, but the, I really yeah. hope that, like, this works out for him. Me and that, too. like, now that he has a house and a vehicle, that's reliable transportation, that's a like, secure housing. Yeah. He's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine. Good yeah. job, Johnny. This is great. Um, good job, Johnny. Good job. <sighs> All right. More news. There's a rebrand for Finland's baby boxes. Have you heard about the Finland's baby boxes? I have because of this article. I love it. So the Finland government, when you become a new parent, they'll send you, uh, they'll give you an option to give you money or a baby box with different necessities. And a lot of parents choose the baby box. And before they were called uh, mother boxes or a maternity box, mm -hmm. but they've decided they want to rename them to appeal to dads as well. Yeah, I think that's really sweet. This is something that is, like, it's been a historical thing in quite a few countries, is the idea of baby boxes back when midwives um, were the primary physicians of mothers who were expecting babies. I knew Marina would love this news because she loves babies. I, I mean, do. girl's a doula. I do. I just love them so much. Like, they're such a smart idea, and it is a callback to a time when I think society was, like, 
it reflects that yeah that small community because like it's like oh you have a new baby and this baby's gonna contribute to society one day and we as the government and as like your community want to make sure that your baby has everything it needs to get started on the right foot and also that your parents are taken care of because being a new parent is fucking difficult i'm not but I've read enough, like, parenting books, and I have, I know enough people who are parents of small babies to know, yeah, it's fucking difficult. And a lot of places have stopped, um, doing, like, baby boxes, um, because there was a transition away from midwifery as, like, the preferred method of care. Now, midwifery is still a pretty big thing in Europe as compared to the States and, like, Canada, where it's, like, not... It's, like, no, just the hospital. Um, One way... But, like, I just think this is so great, and also I wish baby boxes were a thing in Canada. I remember reading a couple years ago that um, they fucking, they did, like, a a, pi- oh, a pilot project, that's the word for it, in Canada for some kind of baby boxes. Oh, cool. But I don't remember, like, if anything came of it or what. Or what. Um, Let's talk a little, sorry, what what was your... I was just going to say my favorite thing about the baby box is the box itself is like the baby's crib. It turns into the baby's first bed. There's a mattress at the bottom. Um, Yeah, they can uh, cash grant, but the vast majority of parents opt for the box instead because you can choose. Yeah. And then it's also items that can be grown into. I think there's books and different onesies and probably diapers. Fun story. Um, So my mom was the literacy coordinator in Slave Lake, where we used to live. So she helped to teach ESL to adults um, and tutor, you know, just tutor Mm -hmm. literacy. And she also gave baby bags to all of the new parents in Slave Lake of, like, a little, uh, some brochures or, like, new parent resources and some books. And she would give, like, a baby book for new babies. But she also gave this to, like, I think if any new families that moved that she heard of and they had older kids... Or if they moved with a baby and older kids as well. She had mm-hmm. older, like, five-year-old books and stuff. And it was just in a little bag with a duck on the front that we ironed on. I helped stuff the bags. Your mom? She gave them around. Your mom's a very complex woman. She's complicated. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. it's a. It was a real sweet. I thought it was a really good idea. She was just so excited to buy the different books. And one of her favorites was Dr. Seuss. Because it's of fun course. to say. Yeah. And it's just, you learn a lot of different your mom does seem like she would love Dr. Seuss. Oh, yeah. we One of the first books I was like learning to read with dad, mom, was Dr. Seuss Hop on Pop. I used to read a lot of Minnie Mouse books. Like, there was Aww. a whole series of books that were like Minnie Mouse. And my sister and I were like in love with them. Because they had like beautiful spines. Mm. Like, all of the spines of the books were like different, like pastel polka dots. Oh, that's Like, pretty. it was. Ugh. I love it. Anyway, babies are great. Protect babies. Protect babies and give them love this and uh, help their parents. Also gets me really excited because I have two moms who are giving birth soon <gasps> that I'm dueling for. So my Ooh. friend Victoria is giving birth in April and my sister is giving birth in February. And there's going to be babies. Babies. Yeah. Yeah. All right. More news. This is pretty historic. Oh, yeah, I heard about this. Trudeau, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, apologized to members of the LGBT community for actions the government took against thousands of workers in the Canadian military and public service in the Cold War era. 
Yeah, from the 1950s to the 1990s, thousands of federal workers were fired because of their sexuality as part of a national security purge. Um, Some gay members of the Canadian Armed Forces were discharged for what was termed as a psychopathic personality with abnormal or abnormal sexuality. So really gross. Um, But Prime Minister apologized November 28th did a little speech and a public apology to all of Canada's LGBT, which I think is really important, just acknowledging the, like, that's not the most horrific thing Canada's done. No. <laughs> Let's not forget what they did to Japanese people. On to the indigenous people. Or the indigenous people way in the very beginning. But it's, I think it's important that they recognize the wrong and do a public apology. And I'm not going to say that, Trudeau is the best one we've ever had in terms of prime ministers. He's like any other politician. But he's not 45, you know? He's not, yeah. I feel like he's not evil like some prime ministers yeah. we've had. He's not I like a like, cartoon. I feel like the thing about Trudeau is like, yeah, he can. He still had, like, at least when I look at Trudeau, I can still see a human being. Like, yeah, I'm still like, like I'm okay, mostly. you're like, a human who has a rough day at the office slash, like, goes back on his word because, you know, human you know, beings do do that. You got a rough day at the office. You just got a fun, Syri- you know, Syrian warfare a little bit sometimes. Yeah, you know, you just... Was it Saudi Arabia? I don't remember. Mm, they've funded <laughs> a lot of things. Funded <laughs> a lot. But yeah. anyway, you know, give them just, I guess you just, you, you know, any little bit of good that the government does, you got to really encourage them about it so they want to yeah. do it again. Well, and I think this is really important because it's not just like these people were fired. No. Like, there were things that were called fruit machines um, that were basically homosexuality tests. And subjects were shown pornographic images while cameras took pictures of their pupils to see if they were dilated. And, like, the thought was, if they were dilated while looking at images of like, people of the same sex, it suggested excitement and therefore same-sex attraction. And that's just one of the tests that they did to people. Like, yeah. it's disgusting. And that's just one of them. And they used it throughout the 1960s um, until the Defense Research Board uh, pulled funding in 1967. Like, the, yeah. RC- like the RCMP had a database of 9,000 expected lesbians and gay men working across the federal government. And, like, if you're a government worker and then you get fired for something like this, how easy is it going to be for you to find work somewhere else? Yeah. Like, it's going to be impossible. It's You've not- been dishonorably discharged from the Canadian military and you try and find work at... Yeah. Staples? Like, Getting what? dishonorably discharged from the military is a really it's big the, thing. It's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, this so, was important. This was great. Good job. Yeah. 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 Canada is definitely not perfect. But I also think, like, it's good that we see the apologies in part because it, like, reawakens that moment in society and we can be like, oh, yeah, you're right. Canada wasn't always that great. It was, yeah, this was this was a shitty thing. It's yeah. good that we've acknowledged it and that we can apologize. And also, it's important to apologize for things that you did. Yeah. Even tr- President, your Prime Minister Trudeau himself didn't personally do this, but it's still important for him to apologize yeah, because he's the leader. And he, the represents leader a, he represents a government. He represents the one who did. Yeah. Anyway, I've got a lot of complicated feelings about politics, and most of them are because I don't really understand it. <laughs> yeah, fair. Tell me about this next one, Marina. 
This is a nice little piece of happy news. You can't really be mad at this at all. Not really. Um, a Taiwan rainbow has lasted a record-breaking nine hours. That's crazy, because rainbows are like... They don't last that long. Yeah, they're like a fleeting thing. Chao Kun Suan, a professor in the university, the Chinese Culture University in Taipei, um, she's a professor in the Department of Atmospheric Sciences, said, it was amazing. It felt like a gift from the sky. It's so rare. That's so sweet. They just, were able to document the rainbow with the help of the department students and the campus community. And these and photos like, of the rainbow, and it looks beautiful. I it love does. Rainbows. rainbows typically last much less than an hour. So they their observations show that the rainbow lasted exactly 8 hours and 58 minutes. If confirmed, it would shatter the previous record of longest-lasting rainbow set in Yorkshire, England on 14 March 1994. Which was recorded as lasting six hours. Um, can we talk about how the Guinness Book of World Record is kind of weird? Yes. Like, the, the, yes, we can. the world has just agreed that, like... The guys who make beer can, like, track all of the things. Wait, is it the same guys who made beer? I don't know, but there's Guinness beer. That's true. Maybe I need to do some research on this. Mm, yeah. But, like, I just... The Guinness Book, like, the Guinness Book of World Records has always been a part of my life. Like, I read the yeah. books at the oh, library. Yeah. It's always you been there. always hear about people wanting to break Guinness Book of World Records, or Guinness Records. It's like, like I, I don't even know what it means to break it. Like, do you get money or a plaque, or do you just get your name in the book? You know what? I'm going to get a plaque. I'm going to do some research on this. This and... can be, like, a special pop culture segment, yeah. like Kardashian clan. It's, like, Guinness news. <laughs> also, Professor Cho says... When we broke the previous record after passing six hours, I was hardly able to stay seated for lunch. It was around lunchtime. I was so excited. I wanted to make sure we captured the rainbow. But then I did something even more incredible. It went on to beat the previous record by another three hours. I just love that these little atmospheric Ugh. science nerds are just, like, losing their mind about rainbows. Like, after like, four hours, we mobilized all our students and began to notify everyone in the school to take pictures and send us pictures. And that's just Can so you imagine getting, like... So, at the U of A, they'll send out, like, emergency emails to, like, everyone... And can you just imagine getting one of those emails and opening it and thinking, like, oh, no, is there a shooter on campus? And then you're like, no, there's a rainbow on there's campus. Rainbow. Come take photos, please. Please take photos. We want to get into the Guinness Book of Records. I That's love just, it. yeah. Of all the places for it to happen, I'm so glad it happened near this college of atmospheric science nerds, like you Good said. Good job. Like, that makes me so happy. God was looking down on these science nerds. God painted with his paintbrush. Is that all by Taipei? Good job, Taipei. You can see a nine-hour rainbow in Taipei in the winter. It's amazing. Come to Taipei. Yeah, Aww. Professor Cho says I plan to contact the Taipei City Tourism Department to promote this. He's like, yeah, nine-hour so rainbows in Taipei. That's I great. love it. Look at these little atmospheric nerds. I'm so happy. I'm just so happy for I them. I say nerds with, like, complete and oh, genuine complete love. complete genuine love. We're all nerds here. It's Good true. news, everyone. I'm a board game nerd, and Maria's a pop culture nerd, if you haven't already guessed. Yeah. <laughs> Last bit of news for this week. Um, this is from our old faithful Sunny Skies. I actually saw this on Tumblr just hanging out a couple days ago. So this is oh. great. A young man's friendship with an 80-year-old woman is touching the hearts of many after he shared the story of how they met on Twitter. High Class Filth um, is the username on Twitter. At Filth800. 
And uh, he says, so last summer, I randomly met this eight-year-old woman onwards with friends. We played 300-plus games together, and she actually ended up becoming a good friend of mine. Today, I got to go to Florida to meet her in person. What Heart. the hell? And there's these photos of this young, it's this uh, young teenager and this old woman who have who become friends, and they're just hanging out. He's posted a couple photos on his Twitter. He's given her a hug, and he's wearing, like, I don't know if he's a teen- teenager or a young adult, but he's wearing ripped jeans and a cool t-shirt. He's got tattoos. And she's got, like, a long floor skirt and, like, a polka dot shirt. Yeah. So they're, they're, they perfectly embody each other, like, mm-hmm. young teen and uh, or young adult and old lady aesthetics that's so cute look at them there's hugging all these photos of them hugging and just hanging out and he looks so happy oh my gosh they're just hanging out in florida so cute best friends met on words with friends that's crazy that's so great the internet is great and wonderful and anyone fight can anyone. be a friend i will fight anyone who says that the internet is evil because it's not it helped these two people meet they're so cute, guys. They're so cute. Friendship goals. Yeah. Friendship I would go to, goal. I would fly to Florida to meet you. Aw. That's really sweet, Tessa. I don't even like oranges that much. Aww. I'd be a little old lady and let you stay in my spare room and <gasps> everything. They would be cute. Oh my gosh. If I was like the young, plucky teenager and you were the old lady, this yeah. would be, this is, Pixar, hit us up. I mean. We got movies galore. I mean, I think... We're just stealing their We're just life stealing story their now. And it's funny because you're actually a couple years younger than me. It's true. I never let you forget because I'm the older friend and that's what we do. Yeah, it's true. Oh, Lula, don't get on the computer. All right. You want to go to some science and tech news? Let's do it. Let's just blaze through these. One way to end meth addiction? Alter the DNA of addicts using gene therapy. This is fascinating. Hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. alone suffer from meth addictions. And a new treatment could offer a means of kicking the habit by using gene therapy to cancel out some of the drug's effects. Which, that's kind of cool. Meth is one of the most addictive substances. Um, But uh, a group of scientists at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences, or is it Arkansas? It's not Arkansas. I was so mad when I found that out, which was when I was probably only like maybe 10 years ago. Because you got Kansas Tessa. and you got Arkansas. But they come from different, like, parent different, languages. Yeah. Oh, and I know. It just makes me mad. I know. Anyway, uh, these researchers have developed a method of treating addiction using gene therapy. Within the procedure, researchers insert a gene that codes for an anti-meth antibody into a spe- specially created virus. The virus is then injected into a patient, which forces their body to create antibodies that counteract the drug. Yeah. So they're using your own body's immune system to fight off the effects of meth. So the meth molecules in the bloodstream are intercepted by the antibody before they can reach the brain and trigger the feelings associated with the usage of the drug. So meth users who take a dose wouldn't feel the same high after being administered with the treatment. Which already happens when you take meth. You gotta take more and more to get the same yeah. high. So this That's kind of, true with any drug, with any right? Drug, yeah. There are hopes this could be further developed into a treatment that could work alongside behavior therapy for people who are addicted to meth. So it's not going to be the only thing because yeah. people who uh, are addicted to drugs are typically from, um, are typically very isolated. Yeah, and there's a lot, lot of, of things have, happening. Like, a lot of them already have other like health problems going on, like maybe mm-hmm. severe depression that hasn't been dealt with. Yeah, or, or like family, issues or, family or issues. or family issues. 
Yeah, mental illnesses is like one of the big ones because if people can't find the help that they need, sometimes drugs are an easy option to They're an easy way control. to self-medicate and help yeah. yourself feel better. I read, I don't remember the exact name of it, but I remember reading a science article, or rather hearing about it, um, I think a place called Rat Park. They created a rat paradise, and oh, yeah, for yeah. some of them, they gave them drugs. They would just inject them with drugs, and then they gave them a place where they could go get more of these drugs. And the rats had everything they wanted. They had food. They had friends. They had a lot of stuff to play with. They had an enriching environment that was interesting, and they didn't really want to use the drugs. Some yeah. of them went to it, but a large majority of them didn't go back. It's all about environmental effects. Environment and just community. Yep. Having people around and you. And the, being interested in where you are. Yeah. And the article does say that it's important to note that this therapy isn't intended to be a silver bullet. It's like a tool for a patient who's committed to making serious changes can employ to help minimize their capacity to re relapse. If the drug is no longer able to provide its pleasurable effect, there's potentially a lessened likelihood that they will take it. Yeah. So, Or they yeah. will try other drugs. Or they'll try other drugs, like religion. <laughs> um, or actual bad drugs. Anyway. Anyway, more science news. I just, I think it's cool. Scientists. Yeah. Scientists, you astound me. They're fucking up. They're, like, doing shit to our bodies, man. They do. I mean that in, like, a good stuff. way. I'm not being like, they're fucking our bodies. Everyone stop taking vaccines. No, please but, like, get vaccinated. Now that it's wintertime, if you have, uh, if you got your flu shot, tweet at us, at GE Podcast, and uh, we'll send you a sticker. Yeah. I will get you a sticker personally. I have a lot of stickers. Yeah. No, I like scientists. Me too. More news. Harvard scientists made a material that creates completely new states of light. Nope. 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 Harvard researchers have succeeded in creating a new material that causes light to act in entirely new ways. This discovery can help researchers learn more about the properties of light, but also may have some practical applications. I already hate it because it's too sciencey. All I know about light is that uh, the fact that light bounces off objects and then into our eyes—that's how we see things. Yep, that's and about uh, it moves all I got. in a wave. Oh yeah, is that it? Was it, was it a wave? And there's different oh kinds God. of light. Like visible light is actually just a very small spectrum. That we can see. And There's also like, like ultraviolet light and, and UV light. Which is ultraviolet, I think. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That is. But yeah, anyway. What? This is my brain. So apparently. This is my brain on light. The tool uses a polarization to generate structures such as swirling vortices. Which you have to say swirling vortices. Oh, man. Because it's a swirling yeah. vortex, but plural. Like, oh, I see. Spirals and corkscrews that not only help explore light's properties, but also have potential practical applications, Ooh. such as high-powered imaging. This is what I was remembering, because discoveries about light are still being made. I remember this. In 2015, scientists took the first ever photograph of light behaving as both a particle and a wave. Oh, wow. Because we thought before it was just as a wave, and then we're like, wait, it also moves as a particle. Fucking two years ago, we figured that out, so... Yeah, Man. science is wild. Science is wild. Science is wild. I don't understand it. A vaccine for HIV is about to be tested in thousands of people. Woo! Two major HIV trials have launched in Africa. 
One is to test a new HIV vaccine from Johnson & Johnson. That, mm, already capitalism once I again know. rearing its head. While the other is for an injectable drug from VIIV Healthcare designed to treat HIV. So I know HIV and AIDS does have medicine already. Yes, there's um, things like PrEP that you can take to help prevent the passage of the virus from one person to another. Um, there's different medications that you can take to help um, alleviate symptoms. And basically, HIV and AIDS medication has reached a point now where a lot of people who are living with the drug in a first world country where they have access to all of the medication and like health support that they need can live a full and healthy life. It's no longer like a death sentence like it was during the AIDS crisis. Exactly. Um, of course, this is just for people who, like you said, are living in first world countries and have access to all of this. Not yeah. necessarily so for people who are, you know, maybe one of the homeless people. Yeah. Um, especially like this trial is taking place in Africa because the AIDS epidemic is still rearing its head there. It's still, yeah. And there's a lot of countries in Africa that have people in um, lower income states. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like a lot of really bad small towns in yeah. Canada. So apparently Johnson & Johnson has collaborated with the U.S. National Institutes of Health and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation on a two-year vaccine, vaccine combination that will trial um, 2,600 women in Southern Africa over the course of the next three years. So they have a first dose of their HIV vaccine that primes the immune system, while the second boosts the body's response. And I guess it combines the proteins from various HIV strains to create a HIV mosaic that will be able to prevent infection from any strain of HIV. Hopefully. They're gonna Hopefully. try it. Yeah. Yeah, so this is just a test. We they're don't have test. any confirmation that this will work. Nope. But I think um, it's a really cool test that they're trying to do because um, HIV, well, it's kind of like the flu. Like, there's different strains of it. And just because you're protected against one doesn't mean you're protected exactly. against another. But this kind of mosaic uh, will help you get protected against a lot. Like, what if you can only have one flu shot for the rest of your life? Yeah. This is like that, but times a thousand because it's fucking HIV. The goal is um, their HIV vaccine can achieve effectiveness above 50%. Hopefully we get much higher. Yeah, because even 50% would help so many women. So many women. And I specify women because especially in places like Africa, HIV is typically like, not typically, but it is very much a disease that affects women. Mm -hmm. And also like childbearing women as well because HIV can be passed through. That was just going to say, yeah, when you yeah. give birth to a child, you can pass it on to them, right? Yeah, if exactly. Yeah. So I think this is good. I'm hoping that we can help eradicate this terrifying, what do you call it, a disease? Yeah. Would that be accurate? But if we get rid of all diseases, does that mean that we all have to stop having babies eventually? Like... Because a baby is technically a disease? No, just because, like, people aren't going to be dying. What are we going to do about population control? Mm. I think... I always worry about that. Yeah. I think at that point, we will have um, just gone, you know, 1300s, uh, 1300s England and just colonized space. All right, fair enough, yeah. Or we just build our own moon. That's no moon, that's a space station, and we put a bunch of people on Earth. I mean, okay. 
I'm okay with that. Here's some science news. MIT researchers develop a system that can store thermal energy for hours. Cool. It's a, a new battery-like system for storing and releasing thermal energy on command. The system harnesses thermal energy, be it from the sun or another source that's otherwise going to waste. That's so nice. That's so instead like, of like using it immediately, you can have a whole bunch of solar panels charging up your batteries. Thermal energy is one of the like most wasted form of energy in like our world. Yup. So that's pretty great. The sun is everywhere. Yeah. We can use it to charge everything. Apparently the MIT system hinges upon the use of a phase change material, also known as PCM. Um, when exposed to heat, the substance takes on a liquid form in which it stockpiles energy. When it cools enough to a solid state, the energy gets released. That's really cool. Yeah. Just like basically freezing and melting. Yeah. The substance and makes it's, energy. It says that the biggest drawback is their need for a great deal of insulation to hold onto the energy. Um and the fact, ooh, I just totally misread that line. It's a another drawback is the uncontrollable rate at which they turn back into a solid. There we go. To tackle those issues, the MIT researchers combine their PCM with molecular switches that change shape when exposed to light. Cool. Cool. This is so neat. This is really neat. Yeah, thermal energy. Like, I power, still don't fully understand it, but I'm, I'm, neither. I'm a little... I'm glad that people who do are working at it. Yeah, that's <laughs> all we can say. All we can say. All right, just a couple more. Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, Tesla's electric semi. Well, the price of it has been revealed. It's higher than expected. Um, Tesla, Tesla's electric semi, the future conscious company's newly unveiled big rig truck, will have a $150,000 base price. Is that, like, expensive for a, like... A uh, truck? How much do big rigs cost? I don't know, but it's... it's the headline says it's higher than expected, so I'm guessing maybe they only cost, like, $100,000? Um, the lowest price model should have a range of 300 miles per charge with the long-range truck at 500 miles. That's pretty good, so right? Imagine just driving across the country and you only got to plug in twice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the big range, 500 mile is priced at $180,000. Um, so what the analysts at Morgan Stanley had initially predicted that the semi could start at $100,000. Um, but they're like, nope, it's going to be a bit more expensive than that. So people are like, what? We guessed how expensive a thing was and we were wrong. And I guess that's a deal. Hey, Lou, I guess that's a deal. So production for this won't actually start until 2019. That was so rude to Lula. Just jumps right on the keyboard. Um, apparently, a bunch of major corporations, such as GB Hunt, uh, Mayer, and Walmart, have already placed orders for the new semi. This is the one that has the one seat in the middle. Jared was telling me about this. The boyfriend has the yeah. one seat in the middle that you just like twirl around. You can see more, like 180 degrees. Better vision. So far, there are at least 450,000 orders for... Oh, no. This is the compact sedan. The mass market model three. Yep, because there's never mind. There's some drama going on in the article which talks about um, how Tesla's vehicles are being called cash grabs um, because the company is having trouble pushing through production bottlenecks with its mass market model three, which is the most affordable and sought after Tesla. And that's the one that has four hundred fifty thousand orders that yep. have not yet been filled. 
So Tesla or Tesla had to recently delay its production and delivery estimates to an even later date when the Model 3 fell short of its production goal. So there's some problems that are happening. They're getting to be too ambitious for their britches. That is a is good a, way of describing is it. Is a phrase. But I mean, I have hope that if we can get the, because we got to move. Oh, Lula sees a bird. Yeah, she does. We, we got to move product across the country because the way that this all these countries are set up is that we buy something near us, but it's made farther away. And right now, how we do that, I was with Scott, all these big trucks driving around. And if these trucks could be green and not use up so much gas and like create terrible things in the atmosphere, that would be great. Yeah. The second thing would be to um, pay these poor people who drive these trucks well and make sure that they... Uh, can afford to take breaks because I've read a lot of just personal accounts where it's almost more profitable for people to drive through the night instead of taking the Oh, sleep. yeah. And it's just, it's disgusting. You need to take care of your people who work for you. It too. All right. Last tech news. New smart windows transform into solar cells when they change color. Ooh, that sounds neat. So this is a, a new smart window technology, and it's been developed by the National Renewable Energy Laboratory in the U.S., and apparently it's showing great potential. It's keeping heat out of buildings, and the smart window could also work as a solar panel and convert sunlight into energy. Which then we put into those thermal batteries to keep the energy for longer. Which then Ooh. we use to power the big truck. Done and done. Done and done. So these are known as Brooks low. And done. These are known as low heat emission glass, also known as low E glass, um, and it's a feature in the windows of many businesses and residential buildings in the United States. They're energy efficient windows, um, and they can be found in 80% of homes and 50% of commercial buildings. And uh, they keep the heat out of living in workspaces, which is important because with the sun blasting yep. through, you're going to get super hot. Got to regulate your temperature. But then they're realizing that they could turn these into solar panels, mm -hmm. which is super good. So researchers from the NREL, which is the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, um, have developed a prototype of a photovoltaic, voltaic, voltaic yeah. basically solar powered smart window that can keep heat out of buildings while at the same time providing solar energy. So the smart windows, which would be built from energy harvesting material from, from the energy harvesting material per Perovskite. I definitely read that as pervoskite at first, yep. and I thought it was kind of funny. Um, are thermochromic, meaning they change color from clear to tinted in response to heat. Thermochromic. And there's a nice little uh, picture here that shows a bunch of stuff. Then molecules get onto it, and it uh, does something else to it. Science. Cool. Science news. All right, I think we're done with science and tech. Yeah, I'm, let's, let's wrap, wrap that up. Let's wrap that up and tell me about some pop culture news. Pop culture news. Pop culture and board game news. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, man. I've actually got a couple pop culture news myself. I know you do. Let's talk about yours first. Um, there is a Star Wars cosmetics collection 
rule the galaxy with a new Star Wars cosmetic collection. Star Wars The Last Jedi is coming out, like, not this Friday, next Friday. Holy shit, that's soon. I know, it's super exciting. Cargo Cosmetics is here to help complete your look with the release of their new Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi collection. The makeup will let you choose your size. Now, this isn't the first time we've seen a Star Wars makeup collection. I'm pretty sure CoverGirl had, like, a brief makeup Probably. Star Wars stint at one point. Or Mac. Or one of them did. Because I remember they had, like, the little, like, rebel um, logo. That like that one? Yeah. The no rebel logo on them? Is that what you call it? The rebel logo? I think so. The, it's like it's like a, a moon with um, a leaf it's coming a, out of the top. Isn't it supposed to be a phoenix? I don't know. I thought it was supposed to be a phoenix. So there's a light side eyeshadow palette that is filled with dazzling neutrals. Expertly coordinated to help you achieve peace when you are attuned to I the force. I hate it. There is also a resistance mascara, a lengthening mascara that holds strong to resist against the calling of the dark side. Oh, God. And then there's a dark side eyeshadow palette is full of deep colors for a smoky eye. That reflects unimaginable power. And then there's the first order mascara. And then there's also a limited edition collectible compact mirror. That features different characters like General Leia, or Leia Organa, Captain Phasma, Rey, and BB-8. The one of Captain Leia Organa is beautiful. It's like it's kind of watercolory on the front, and I want it not even to use. I just want to keep this in our house. It's been like a year since yeah Carrie since Fisher she passed, passed away. away. I went and saw Rogue One on the day that she passed away. So yeah. that ending scene when you see her, man. Yeah, that fucked me up. There was not a dry eye in the theater. Yeah. We were just... I miss her so much. I miss her too. I read somewhere, uh, someone likes to think that she's up there in heaven zapping all those bad dudes in Hollywood and exposing their secrets. Oh man, Carrie Fisher's controlling it all. You go, Carrie Fisher. We love you. Yeah, this is actually a piece of pop culture news brought to us by longtime listener and love of my life, Jared. Aww. He told me about this and was like, you gotta show this, you gotta show this to Marina in your, in your podcast. It's true. I do like the light side palette. It's a nice palette. I can't, we don't, they don't have any pictures of the dark side palette. I can just see like a brown and it kind of a like dark blue purple. I'm not much of like a dark eyeshadow person. I like to keep, keep it like nude. keep it peachy and browns. Yeah. There's also a bit, when I was looking for this news, I also found, um, this Carrie is Carrie Fisher's princess makeup chart. It's just from January of this year. Oh, so yeah. It's almost a year old. But it's tied into this new piece but it's of information. definitely tied into this new piece. There's a beautiful picture of Carrie Fisher. Um, and it talks about how uh, after Fisher died, the London Cosmetics Museum found and shared a photo of Fisher's makeup chart from her days as Princess Leia. It was from the set of Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, which was released in 1980. Oh, that's so cool. So there's this chart so you can figure out how to get the exact same makeup look as Princess Leia. Hell yeah. Which is kind of cool. So if you've ever wondered how Princess Leia's iconic look was made, you can find it out right now. You can find it out right now. We'll post this on the Facebook. I think that's really cute. Isn't that nice? All right. What kind of pop culture news do you have for me, Marina? Oh, man. Well... Let me just grab my phone here, because that's where all my news is kept. Did you hear that um, 
the royals have announced the news of an engagement. I did hear this. Yeah. So this it's is hard a, to avoid it in Canada. Yeah. It's everywhere. <laughs> this is a little bit older. Um, it's from last week, but we didn't record last week and I still wanted to talk about it. Uh, it has officially been announced that Prince Harry will be marrying um, Meghan Markle. Yeah, Meghan Markle. Who we did talk about that yeah. they were like hanging out and uh definitely dating yeah. and, and you know, it was serious they were gonna get engaged soon yeah and didn't you did when it. did you guess that they were gonna i think i was off because i said they weren't i said well i can't remember what i said anymore did you say after christmas i think maybe I'll i think i did Roll yeah megan markle is reportedly moving to london in november and is quitting suits which is a very big deal because that means that she's going to be a teacher in London. Tessa, I hate you so much. (laughs) I was not super, I don't think I was on point with it, but they are going to wait to have a summer wedding, which I think I was correct about. Yeah, because they don't like to have winter weddings. I remember you said they like to make them big outdoor things. And you also have to wait till the baby's born. Yes, that's true. Because you don't want to conflate the two. Yeah, and the baby's supposed to be born in the spring? I think so. Yeah, like really early spring. So that's exciting. Babies are popping out everywhere. There's a lot of babies we're talking about this week. But yeah, that's just so exciting. So they've officially announced um, their engagement and they will be moving into Harry's apartment on the Royal Grounds. Um, It's like a two bedroom cottage, I think. Dang. That they're going to be living in together that has its own staff. So that means she's definitely not coming back to Suits at this point. No, she has officially <laughs> left um, the Suits, I think. This is this was her final season. Yeah. So they're, I'm really excited about their cute little cottage because they're... It's Nottingham Cottage. It's Nottingham Cottage. Um, and it's the place that Harry has oh, been. It's oh, fuck you! Oh, 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 I hate autoplay videos. I no, hate autoplay come on, videos. AOL. Good come Lord. on, AOL. Anyway. Oh, it's cute. It's got a cute roof. Yeah. Look at this. So I be all over it. They refer to it as a former bachelor pad, but like. It's a fucking cute cottage. There's, It's not a bachelor pad. That's no, going to be a beautiful home for them. It's a bachelor pad because he was single and yeah. ready to flamingo. It has two bedrooms, two reception rooms, a bathroom, and a small garden. Um, and Which this article says sounded like some pretty humble digs. Yeah. Excuse you. That's not but humble at all. It's, it's got four rooms. Exactly. <laughs> The four rooms and then bathrooms. <laughs> it's situated on the manicured grounds of Kensington Palace. Um, and it's just a hop, skip, and a jump from the cosmopolitan amenities of Kensington Street. Oh. Um, but, like, I just think it's really cute. So they'll be living, like, in the same area as William mom, and Kate and Grandma. And grandma. Um, their mom's dead. That's that's I know. Sorry. I keep thinking that Queen Elizabeth is their mom. And that's not right. No. That's not correct. Not at all correct. Um, but I'm just, like, very excited to hear their engagement. I haven't heard anything about Megan's ring yet, <gasps> which I'm surprised by because normally, like, one of the big things about royals is the royal jewels as well. Yeah. And so, is it a new ring? Did he buy a ring? Did he get a ring from his grandma? Like, Kate's ring is Diana's ring, mm. which is a very iconic, like, sapphire uh, embedded and like surrounded by diamonds which like 
women in the 90s were fucking copying left and right. Oh, yeah. But I haven't heard anything about what her ring is like yet. And I want to know. Maybe I'll have some information wait, next week. Wait a week. second. Wait a second. It says here that the wedding date is spring 2018. Oh. Which is crazy because that's, that's when the baby's supposed to get. What? Get born. I don't, I don't think that's right, though. Because I, I read that they haven't made an announcement of when the wedding is yet. Let's see. What's the date on this article? This is November 27th. So maybe they're, I mean, they could be wrong. This is purewow.com. <laughs> Fucking purewow.com. You know, they could be leading us astray just for that pure wow. I decided just to Google, oh, fuck, another video is going to play. Oh, it, oh, didn't, maybe it not. didn't. It stopped. I think it's super interesting that they're announcing a banana that has revealed as preparations for the May 2018 ceremony. So it's May, like May at that point. That counts summer. Yeah. Um, apparently. What a weird article. This is really weird. I mean, it's just weird in general how um, kind of obsessed they are. Like the part thing they do is catalogs. They're basically yeah. like the Kardashians, but British. Exactly. Wedding tradition that dictates fruitcake should be used. Um, no, I think it dictates fruitcake should not be used, and you should have like a white. No, it should cake. be used. It's, I know, but I think the article is wrong because I've never been to a wedding that's like, yeah, you should have fruit. But in this your is cake. just for royal people. Oh, that makes this more sense. This is just for royal people. Prince William and the Duchess of Cambridge opted for a groom's cake made from chocolate biscuits as well as a more traditional eight-tiered cake. I love cake. Me too. I just ate cake for like. Um, a late snack last night. It was so... Traditional wedding cake. So I guess this is a UK thing. A traditional wedding cake is a rich fruit cake, like a Christmas cake, where all the cake is soaked in alcohol first. But with Megan being American, they're more used to having sponge cakes. Yeah, that's that's me. More used to sponge cakes. Because sponge cakes are better. This is so... Cool. I'm excited for them. I hope they love each other and have a good marriage. You know? Yeah. That's really what I hope. All right. Kardashian clan pregnancy scan? Yeah, I do. All right. Woo, woo, woo. It has been announced that, and to be fair, none of these announcements have, like, their sources revealed. It's just like, a source told Hollywood Life this. Yeah, it could um, be totally fake. But an announcement was made at HollywoodLife.com that... Uh, Kylie and Chloe will be confirming their pregnancies at the mid-season finale of the newest Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Woo! Yeah. So, that's pretty fantastic. So, um, so that was a leak, hey? So they leaked that they were going to confirm it? Yes. So, it hasn't been 100% confirmed again yet. We still don't know. But, you know, we're a step closer. Of course they're going to do the... Of course they're going to do the... That's just to show, like, how into the monies they are, you know? They're into the drama. Into the monies. Um, and the drama. So, yeah, I'm very excited for them. Because I just, again, I just enjoy babies. Marina tried to click over to the board game tab and yeah. it's a spoiler. Okay, well, let's move on let's to move the board on game to tab because now I'm interested. Fantasy Flight Games posts new Fallout, the board game preview. There's going to be a Fallout board game? And I read somewhere else that some people have played it and it's awesome. There's six main ways you can interact with the world of Fallout. There's a the development of your survivor and the fearful fights you might encounter. 
And there's also the intricate story you and your fellow survivors will all tell and the challenging, impactful decisions you will make to shape it. And there's different narratives. That they're, so basically it's going to be like this big narrative game and it's basically going to be the board, the, the video game in a board game. I'm so excited. I want to see it. It's got like these little hexagon pieces. It's, it's got, got cool like little, mini super mutants. Mini super mutants. It's got these cool dice that have the little Pip-Boy on them. Ooh, so um, that would be how much rads you take? Probably rads. And it's got like either half body or mm-hmm. like up to your neck. I love it already. Yeah, it's a hobby miniatures. There's a hobby miniatures game from Modifius Entertainment. And then the board game from Fantasy Flight, which we're talking about. The person who wrote this article, Charlie Hall from Polygon, they previewed the Fantasy Flight board game, or Fantasy Flight games follow board game at this year's Gen Con, which is like the annual big board game convention. Mm-hmm. And they're cautiously optimistic. And then now that the final product is on the table, it's clear that this game is a winner. It's a narrative exploration game for one to four players. It's not a pen and paper role playing game, which is what I was thinking it was going to be, just based oh, okay. on the literal game with a board and a preposterously huge stack of more than 150 quests and encounter cards. I love it. So as you move into certain sections of the map, you can use an action to draw one of the cards, some of which move the game's storyline forward. It sounds cumbersome, but in practice, it provides every game with an exciting set of goals and objectives. And because of the amount of cards, it's always different. Always different. Base game has four scenarios, all set within the modern adaptations of the game universe, specifically Fallout 3 and Fallout 4. There's the Commonwealth, the Pit, Far Harbor, and the Capital Wasteland. I love... Far Harbor was so great. I loved Far Harbor. We just uh, recently finished the Far Harbor. I'm starting the Nuka World one right now, and, like, like it's like, collect a special medallion from every single place in Nuka World. Find all of this. And I'm like, oh my god, there's so much going on. This is too much pressure. So choose, at the start of this game... You choose one of these four scenarios, mm-hmm. and then you uh, certain cards from the quest deck are staged face up on the table, and these provide the global objectives the pair- players must race to complete. Once a given objective is completed, specific cards from the quest deck are staged face up to provide new objectives. When is this coming out? I guess there's not a helpful pack-in or enough bags to sort all the components, which is... A little annoying. It's uh, like kind of impossible to get the toothpaste back in the tube without adding some homemade organization. Fallout Wasteland Warfare is the hobby miniatures game, which is due out in March. But this gift, the oh, sorry, not this gift, this board game is now available on Amazon. The board game is available on Amazon? Yes, it is. It is currently eighty two sixty nine Canadian. We're going to go into the Kickstarter of the week. Christmas tree, the decorating. It's a two- player card game actually been kickstarted you can purchase it now what it is is there's a bunch of different cards that have got all these different colored lights on them and little decorations and what you do is you've got to try and build a christmas tree like a pyramid with four at the bottom then three two one and you've got to make sure the lights connect and how the lights connect in different ways will give you points so it's one of these tile laying. But I like it because it's very much like it's, you can tell it's not a company that's kickstartering this. It's just like Wendigo it's, it's, it's WendigoPC.com, which is a company, but as but you like, said, it's, it's a small company. It's a small company. This is some small thing. You can tell just based on the design and even the information design they have on the Kickstarter. Yeah, like It looks fine, but it is a lower quality than other kickstarters that we've looked at but i think that's okay that's not necessarily a bad thing right kickstarter is not just for the people who already have money who are looking for a bit more it's also for the 
Young and Plucky Small Company. Make it. And I figured since this is really close to Christmas, this would be a good Kickstarter to talk about. Yeah, I think it's like not my kind of game. Yeah, it's which... not. There was hard. There wasn't as many good Kickstarters this week. That's okay. Sometimes um, the standard edition copies are twelve bucks each. So if you want to get this game, it's not too expensive. Oh man. Tessa, is this your last piece of news? I know. That's why I was trying to wrap up fast. Yeah. Ended up talking a lot about science. We did. And about Christmas. And about Christmas. And about everything. Just about everything. This has been a good episode. Yeah. We learned a lot today. Hello, everyone. Tessa here. While editing this episode, I noticed towards the end of it that for some reason the audio started to get really muddled and smushed together and bits of sentences were be completely missing and so half of a word would crash into another half of a word and so that means this kind of whole sign off bit that we normally do is pretty unintelligible um i'll show you some examples of it here after this announcement but before that what you're going to hear is all the stuff that we normally say so like our facebook is facebook.com slash gne podcast and all of the news articles that we've talked about today will be posted there We've also got a Tumblr, jeanniepodcast.tumblr.com, at jeanniepodcast on Twitter and Instagram. Our theme music is Cheery Monday by Kevin McLeod, and you can find us on iTunes. Please, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that jazz. Everybody talks about it because it's really important to content creators that you guys do that and show us your support so that we know that you actually like the stuff. I, Tessa, will be at PodCon. No, uh, just, sorry, we're already in December. December 9th and 10th. That's this weekend. Marina will just be hanging out in Seattle and having a grand old time. We're both very excited about the food there. But if you want to talk to me, if you're also at PodCon, you can tweet at me, at Jeannie Podcast, and maybe we can meet up at some point. I guess there's free coffee in the Expo Hall during the whole weekend. So I'm real excited about that. Anyway, uh, talk to you soon. Thank you so much again for listening to us. We won't have an episode next week because of us being on vacation. So our last episode of the year will come out December 19th. Love y'all, and as always, if you adopt an animal this week and uh, tell us about it, we will give you a little gift for that little furry friend, or scaly friend, because you can also adopt lizards. Anyway, this has gone on long enough. Love y'all, bye! Okay, Thanks for listening so much. We love y'all. That was good. I think, yeah, great job, everyone. Really good time. If you want to check out these news articles of the science... You can also find us on Tumblr at GNE Podcast. Um, our theme song is Cheery Mind. Oh, everybody says it, but those things really matter and really yeah, help. Yeah, leave them. us to talk about if you have other segments you want us to know. If you end up adopting any of the animals talk in general, about. just let us know. Send us a tweet or a Facebook message. Oh, we'll, we'll make sure are at PodCon. Marina will not. She'll just be touring Seattle, but I the food. Me too. I love food. It's going to be fun. All right, All right. Bye! Ever wondered what happened to that old series of kids' books, Animorphs? We did. My name is Mikhail, and I read the series as a child, but I can barely remember anything. My name's Tessa, and I'm the expert because I've read the whole series so many times I practically have the books memorized. I'm Brayden, uh, the newbie, because I've never read the books before. Most of this podcast is me getting mad at Brayden for doing a terrible job of summarizing the plot. <sighs> I'm not doing it wrong, you're just an awful person who can't relinquish any control. No, yeah, I have to are... just grit my teeth and occasionally crack the whip. Join us every Monday at CollectiveLegacy.org for a new episode of Phantomorphs, the Dort Bajir Chronicles.
Brought to you by Collective Legacy, a podcast network.